0: In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever, and unto the ages of all ages. Amen. This gospel of uh, of uh, the raising of Lazarus from the death, you know, is like it's a bit troubling to every believer, and I'll tell you why it's troubling for all of us. I mean, it's a happy ending, and Lazarus and Mary and Martha live happily ever after in Bethany. You know uh, and and that's all great but all of us I don't know what I don't know what what you read or what you hear when you hear this gospel when you read this gospel but for for a lot of people and for myself and for a lot of the people I get to talk to um, a, a, a lot of the time that my my focus it goes on to but but Jesus why did you delay why did you delay two more days So they go and tell Jesus, you know your friend Lazarus? And he says, yes. They say he's sick. Jesus was probably about an 11 kilometer walk away from Bethany at the time. So for all practical intents and purposes, he, he could have gotten there in a couple of hours. And then he decides to stay where he is for a couple of more days. And then Lazarus dies. And, and, and fast forward after Jesus has a conversation with Martha, and a, he goes, and then he has a conversation with Martha, and he has a conversation with Mary, and he stands at the tomb, and Jesus weeps. And the, the Jews who are standing by, the friends of Mary and Martha and Lazarus, say, Oh, look how he loved him. Could, that, could not this man who opened the eyes of one born blind not have healed this man? And a lot of us ask that question, maybe not uh, in the third person, but we ask that question kind of, of God of us. Like, God, if you have power and you can, w- w- why don't you? And it's a much, you know, the, it's a much deeper question that can be covered in the 10 minutes of the sermon But I want to share with you something. Now, suppose, okay, follow me here for a second, okay? Suppose, suppose, Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick. So then Jesus teleported, okay, from where he was to Bethany and healed Lazarus. would that be great? Now, Jesus did most of his miracles, most, not all. This was not one of them most of his miracles in private so he probably would have met Lazarus in his bedroom healed him he would have just gotten sick Lazarus would have known Mary and Martha might not even have known yet maybe they didn't even know maybe it was so early that that even Mary and Martha didn't know so Lazarus would have known and Lazarus would have glorified God and Jesus would have teleported there teleported back even his disciples did Wouldn't that be great Isn't that what all of us want? As soon as the stuff starts to hit the fan, we want Superman Jesus to appear out of nowhere. Bam, he's gone, right? Like the flash. Wouldn't that be great? And Lazarus would glorify God. Even Mary and Martha wouldn't have known. But that's not what he did. Okay, suppose he got sick enough that he'd been in bed for a couple of days And went MIA from the family business a little bit. The customers were starting to ask. Mary and Martha were covering the extra shifts. He's been sick for a couple of days. Jesus appears, heals him, is gone. Who would have glorified God? Lazarus, Mary and Martha. Maybe the couple of the clients who realized that he wasn't, you know, Lazarus, owner of the family business, wasn't around. Okay, suppose he's been sick for a month. So the village, the whole village, has like been by to visit and brought him you know, cookies and tea and this and that. And Jesus comes to Bethany and heals him. Again, Jesus did most of his miracles of healing. In secret, like in secret or in quiet, or in a even a, they brought Jesus a young a boy a man brought him, my disciples couldn't cast him out this and that he took him aside and he healed him. Jesus didn't like making public displays of people's illness. So then the whole town in that in that in that next scenario would have. Now suppose Lazarus died. He didn't just die. He's been buried for four days and he's rotting and he's stenchy and he's stinky and Jesus brings him back from the dead now word of this miracle made it all throughout Judea so much so that people who had never met Jesus were believing in Jesus because of what they had heard about Lazarus, from eyewitnesses of him. Now, my question for you is which one of those scenarios, the biblical, the one found in the Gospels, as well as all of the other ones, glorifies God the most? And this is the kicker. You see, is that when God is glorified, those who love God are glorified with him. So this isn't about God being glorified at your and my expense. This is about God sharing His glory with you, revealing His glory through you and through me. And that's why the psalm, that's why the psalm in today's reading says, Many, O Lord my God, are your wonderful works, which you have done, and your thoughts towards us cannot be recounted to you in order. Let such as love your salvation say continually, The Lord be magnified. The psalm is telling telling God, Your works are so wonderful, I couldn't possibly begin to count them or to put them in order. And it's saying, Let those who love your salvation say continually, The Lord be magnified. And this is your story and my story. This is the story of resurrection. God loves, adores to take things which seem broken and fallen apart and beyond repair and make new beautiful things out of them. So beautiful that were you to try to give an orderly account of how he went about doing it, you wouldn't be able to. And that's what the psalm says. And that's your story. And it's my story. See, the trouble with me and the trouble with you sometimes is that we get, we get caught up in our grave clothes. We lose sight of the end game. I want to share something else I read this week which was so beautiful and intimately related to this. In, in the prophecies... It says that from the root of Jesse shall come a new branch. This is from Isaiah 11. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. What's he talking about here? Isaiah is talking here about, he's making reference to a promise which had been given to David, David was the son of Jesse, that if David and all of his sons would, were to follow God and not to worship idols, there would be a king on the throne of David forever. That was a promise from God to David and to Solomon and to all the lineage of King David. This, by the way, is a, is a research and a contemplation by the late Bishop Epiphanius, uh, who departed maybe last year. They published a book of his contemplations. That's where I got this bit from. And you'll see how it connects to Lazarus in a minute. That's me, but this part is all him. Can't take any credit for it, but can give the credibility, credibility to, to him. He's, he's, he's quite the saint. Now, so, the promise that if they wor- continue to worship God, there will always be a king on the throne of David. Now, as you know, they didn't continue to follow God. So what happened? God did exactly what he promised he would do. He, he removed them, and he sent them off into captivity. So what happened to, the, to, to, to the, this tree of David, right? What happened to that? Well, it got cut down. So what's left? The root of Jesse. Now, if you have, we had this old plum tree in our backyard that was all moldy and rotten, and it still had some branches which were good, but it was kind of gross. So what did we do? We cut it down, right down to its roots. Our expectation is what? That it's gone, (laughs) right? And we're never gonna see this moldy plum tree again. Right? That's our expectation. But what happened here? He says the, th- this tree of David was cut down to its roots, but from the roots of Jesse came a new branch with a capital B. The editors have given us a capital B to tell us this is a prophecy about Christ. The tree which was cut down because of its idolatry. A new branch came out of it. A new branch came out of it that had the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. It's talking about Jesus who was, yes, indeed, from the lineage of David, but not just that. He is the king who reigns forever on the throne of David. And so every prophecy in the Old Testament can be understood in, in one of four ways. I mean, there's a multitude of ways of classifying things, but I found this classification very useful, right? So there's four different kinds of interpretations for any prophecy. You can take it on a, a personal level towards your personal circumstances. That God has made a promise to me and a promise to you that even even in my idolatry, even in my sinfulness, even in my departing from God, even in my harlotry and my adultery against my Lord, even after I am cut down to the roots and there's nothing left and there should be no reasonable expectation of any further life or success, a new branch will come. And that. Is that that resurrection that new life out of death that's what resurrection is is found only in Jesus only in Jesus no one else does resurrection you know like a like a some brand which you can only buy from that one place right you can only get resurrection from there's only one shop in the world that sells resurrection his name is Jesus. You can read it that way. You can read it as in, in regards to the coming of the Messiah, which is probably the predominant understanding of it, of the coming of Jesus Christ, Advent. You can understand it in, in regards to His second coming after the destruction of the universe will come new life only found in Jesus. And, and then... After the whole world melts like fire, He will raise up a new heaven and a new earth and so on, right? And of course, you can understand it contextually that after, after the kingdom was lost, the king, God allowed for the kingdom to be rebuilt. So four different kinds of interpretations for any prophecy. Personal. Personal. Messianic, like about the first coming of the Messiah, the second coming, and historical or contextual, according to the historical context of it. This is a message of resurrection. Now, Ambiphanius asks this question. He says, do you think Isaiah was thinking of some supernatural phenomenon or, or some natural phenomenon? No, he was speaking about some natural phenomenon. And by Phanius answers his own question. He says that certain trees, like olive trees, vines, fig trees, and a variety of other trees, if you cut them down to their roots and you leave them alone, and they're watered just by the rain and they just get a little bit of sunshine, over the years, although they look like a dead stump, a new branch will come out of them. And he said, Isaiah probably knew this. And so he used this as an example to to try to communicate and express the message of resurrection, which is so impossible for us as humans to, to, to understand or forgive me, to believe. You'll notice the church does not believe in personal death in the New Testament. The word death in regards to a person like John has died, uh, is not present in any of our liturgical texts. Even in the liturgical, uh, 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 like, phraseology of funerals, we don't say, and -and so-and-so who has died. We say has departed, or has traveled, or or who has gone on to paradise. And I'll tell you why, and I'll finish with this. St. Athanasius playing with the words Says Like What joy What glory What victory Death Has died By death And is No more To the Christian world And to the Christian mind Personal death Death as an ontological entity As a As a cosmological entity The 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 ultimate end of evil Is death Which Christ came to be victor over Yes We talk about that in our theology Right, But personal death is, is no more. It's a non-entity. It's gone. Pennies. Pennies are gone. They're not part of our system anymore. We don't use them. They're not a currency. We don't, they don't exist anymore in Canada. Right? Death in the Christian mind is like a penny. It's gone. That's like dinosaur age. Right? Who carries cash anymore anyways? Right? Drug dealers. <laughs> right? What's a penny, you know? What's death to the Christian? Departed? Yes. Gone on to paradise? Yes. Transition. Walked through one door into... Walked out of one room into another. But death has died by death and is no more, St. Athanasius says. Playing with the words death as a personal death has died by the death of Christ. When, When Christ, who is life, entered into death... Death itself became life. So now, when I die, I go from this life to another life. So there is no death. There's just a transition, a departure. Jesus tells Mary and he tells Martha and he's telling me and he's telling you, death has died by death. Have no fear. Be full of hope. Say with the psalmist, Many, O Lord, my God, are your wonderful works which you have done, and your thoughts towards us cannot be recounted in order. Let all who love your salvation say continually, The Lord be magnified. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.